to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Sugar Coated. I could not be more excited today to introduce my guest to all of you. Her name is Dr. Jody Carrington, and she's the founder of Carrington & Company. She is a best-selling author of three books, including her latest, Feeling Seen. I cannot wait to dive in and talk all about what this means and relationships. Welcome to Sugar Coated, Dr. Jody. Adrian, let's do it. It is time with you and your sexy boys, me and my, it's snowing up here in Canada. I have like a coffee. We're going to tell all the stories and secrets of the world. Amazing. So I would love for you to kind of tell us how you got into therapy in the first place. Yeah. So I'm... (laughs) I've been in therapy a lot, but also (laughs) uh, I'm a clinical psychologist by training. And I will tell you, it was always about how people made me feel that uh, became the biggest inspirations in my life. So either they saw me or they didn't. And both of which provided, I think, the impetus to some of the biggest decisions of my life. And I talk about, you know, often I tell this story about I grew up in this little town in Alberta, Canada. There was 22 of us that started kindergarten together and the same 19 of us that graduated together. We knew everything about everybody. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I can tell you the first and last name of every teacher I had. My bus driver's name was Stan Chomack. He was a crotchety old son of a bitch and he picked us up every day from grade three, <laughs> dropped me home every good. And, and they were woven into the trajectory of our stories. And hockey is a big deal up here in Canada, as you might know. And in this little town that I grew up in seven boys, uh, seven brothers of this family, six make the NHL. No. So I coach it. I play it. I love it. I I still think I'm going to make the NHL actually, to be honest with you. (laughs) And I remember where Holly Nordstrom was standing. She was my grade 10 teacher. I have no idea what she was like to this day. I go on to get a PhD. I have no idea whether she taught like the literacy and the numeracy is beyond me. But I remember where she was standing, what she was wearing, the day she had to tell us that our then captain of the hockey team had been killed. He was a 16-year-old kid with tons of potential. And I remember thinking, even as a 16-year-old kid myself, if there's somebody at the helm, when big emotions come our way, we're all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And 20 years later, when I became a psychologist inspired by this woman, this teacher, I mean, I didn't want to be a, I didn't want to be a teacher because I don't really like kids. I mean, I have three of my own, so I'm kind of coming around, but I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of the people who hold them, despite the fact that I've served, you know, 10 years as a child psychologist. <laughs> I really sort of have always understood the importance of really that we're way more alike than we are different. And there's a quote by a dead guy named Ram Das that really I talk about every time I speak and it's in feeling seen because it just really changed the way I think about the world. And it hangs over my, my shoulder in my office here. He said, 
we are all just here walking each other home. Yeah. And it took my breath away when I, when I heard it the first time. And I've built an entire platform around this idea that we are responsible for doing the walking on our best days. And if we have people to help us be our walkers in our toughest days, we're all going to be okay. You and, make me cry. I'm like crying already. What the hell? It's so true. And I did, I read that in your book and it, it it's such a lovely concept because th- the other thing about it too is that it's fleeting, right? So it's like the person who's, who's there in the moment is the most important person at that time. Mm-hmm. And you can be that person over and over again, but to be there is, is sort of like the beauty and the magic. I think we underestimate our power exponentially. Okay, because in the history of the free world, we've never been more disconnected than we are in this moment. Yeah, we are wired for connection. We are neurobiologically wired for connection. We will not automate relationship. And despite the fact that there has been massive changes in just two generations. I mean, I if you think about the square footage of the house that your grandfather was raised in and the square footage of the house in which we raise our babies. Right. Even in New York. (laughs) What's what's the difference? eh? And we have so many exit ramps to jump up of instead of looking at each other. And this is what gets me as a psychologist. Despite the fact that we're wired for connection, the hardest thing we will do is look into the eyes of the people we love. Mm. And when we've never felt more unseen, when we've never had this many opportunities to look away, given that the hardest thing to do is to engage with each other. I mean, you think about this when you step into an elevator. Yeah. You think about this when at the end of the day, I mean, how many times do we sit down? There's this beautiful data, this research by a guy named Anon and originated out of Singapore. And his whole platform is based on this idea. All I need you to do is look at somebody you love for four minutes and watch what happens. Mm. And when I first read this, I was like, how hard can this be? I've been married to my personal husband for 15 years. Like <laughs> we've procreated a few times. I mean, clearly <laughs> I am, I've written books about connection, four minutes, like give it to me. And so I sit down with my personal husband who is a feedlot nutritionist. Okay. So he's got a PhD in how to feed cows. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway, he is amazing, but I'm like, how hard is it to see if heifers are hungry? But anyway, I love him. Great guy. <laughs> so we come home and I say to him, hey, honey, I, I was reading this research today. Can you just sit with me? And I just want to look at you for four minutes. And he, you know what he said to me? Why? <laughs> and I was like, what, what do you mean? Why? I had a lot of options in 1993 and I chose you, you frigger, to <laughs> sit down. And so then I'm like, then it's a challenge. And I was like, you look at me. Yeah. And he's like, can I, he asked me this question. Can I just get out the timer? No way. Oh, yeah, like oh. how, how uncomfortable, right? Seriously. Wow. And then he looks at me and he, he calls, so he starts the timer and he, then he calls a timeout. I was like, are you, are you, <laughs> are you kidding me? And he said, he asked me this question. What am I looking for specifically? And I was like, <sighs> what? Yeah. And he's like, did you get a haircut? So Is transactional, a, right? Right? Is this yeah. a test? And I was like, honey. I'm your bride. Look at me. And then, you know, like it was just the most remarkable experience. And the data is really interesting because this has been replicated across, you know, age, race, religion, socioeconomic status, gender identity. We all struggle to sink into each other, particularly if we have a story with somebody, because so much of our connection is written without words. If you sit and look at your partner or your children, there's so many things about that relationship that people don't know Mm -hmm. that is only happening in the dance between you. Mm. And it's very hard to get that synchronous 
Huh? Because when you're ready to sort of sink into your babies, they're like, mom, you're weird. Yeah. <laughs> or you want to go sit with your partner and you're like, babe, I just, I just think you're amazing. They're like, oh my God, are you loaded? Yeah. <laughs> because the people we love the most are suspicious when we're kind. Yeah. And it's this interesting dance that has become exponentially harder in this last year. I'm uh, sorry, this last generation. And then let's inject COVID. Yeah. A global experience that has for the physical safety of our communities required us to disconnect. Yeah. So now we're out of practice. We got so many exit ramps and the mental health crisis is through the roof. You do not have to tell me that. My, I have, my kids are a tiny bit older. They're 19 and 22 and they have been hit really hard. And my husband and I look at each other and, you know, we we are just like, what happened? Like, you know, we know we didn't go wrong, but we're like, where did this go off the rails? Like, we yeah. don't know. We're, we're trying to figure out the origin of what happened. And my kids are fine, but it, there's like really big downs, you know, yeah. and they were fine as kids. <laughs> Happy. And, and and again, here's the issue, interesting thing, Adrian. I think we put a high emphasis on our ability to do well if our kids are doing well. Uh, but here's the issue. We, we really desire this. I mean, every parent will finish this sentence like this. I just want my kid to be Happy. Happy. And listen, there's nobody, nobody's happy. <laughs> no one's happy. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's fucking happy all the time. Okay. No, you and can't be. We put a high emphasis on our kids being okay. And when our babies are 19 and 22, you should be disasters. Yeah. You are okay. <laughs> full of hormones. You are getting your heart broken. You don't know what you want to do for the rest of your life. Your friends are all disasters too. Yeah. You are in the middle of trying to decide who you are. And I think as parents, the biggest emphasis is it's okay. Yeah. Bring it on back. Every emotion is just that it's emotion. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Anxiety and rejection and anguish and sadness and joy, they're all just emotions. Yeah. How do we make space to feel them with our babies instead of trying to fix it, yeah. right? I want you to be better. Try this strategy. One of the biggest questions that allows me to hold space with, you know, kids that I treat or, you know, my own personal children is this question. And I love it. it tell me more. Mm. Tell me more. Um, I just feel like it, it's a goddamn disaster. I just feel like I'm feeling everybody. I feel like I want to die. And instead, we're like, oh, my God. Oh, my. It's OK. You're OK. It's OK. Breathe. Go for it. Go drink your water. Do some fucking yoga. You know? <laughs> take your vitamins. I always say take your vitamins. <laughs> right? And we panic instead of this, which is so interesting. When you say, tell me more, babe. Mm. Tell me more. Yeah. What's the hardest part? Mm. Right? Inquiry. Open, open curiosity. Inquiry. Yeah. I mean, if I think about this as a female entrepreneur, this is one of the biggest strategies. The future's female. And now, yeah, yeah. This say is that again. The future's say that again, Dr. Judy. Boom, Jody. Boom. Dr. Judy. Where did that go? From? Where the fuck you are? You know what I mean? Judy, Jody, I answered anything <laughs> these days. But the idea is, is that I, I mean, I have two sons and a daughter. This isn't about penises and vaginas. It is. In this moment, we need an emotional language at the table like never before. We come from multiple generations where brute force was the name of the game because we had to set up infrastructure in this world. Mm. Now we have the infrastructure set and we have never been this disconnected. Do you know who can facilitate that? Women. Women. 
And we consider it a soft skill when we do those trainings around emotions and telling me how you feel and stating the problem. Fuck off. What we need is leaders to be able to say, come in here. You doing okay? Yeah. I noticed I didn't see you here yesterday. And one of the biggest things that we need to promote in our organizations, and I will say this without hesitation, is we need to get back face to face. If you run an organization, if you have any group of employees, even if you run a hybrid place, if most of your stuff is online, I I get it, then set team meetings in person. If you can actually turn your Zoom on, your teams on, your cameras on, you need to do it. We need to get back. I can't replicate the neurophysiological response that happens if you and I are in the same room over an email over a text message. Context is lost dramatically. I lose my ability to check on your facial, you know, sort of the the responses, the nonverbal. Micro, right. The micro movements. Yeah. And it's like, you, you won't replicate that and you can expedite, you know, we get to do this. I mean, Technology isn't the problem. We get to do this today. I'm up here in snowy Canada and you're down there in New York and we get to do this beautiful thing because of technology. Technology isn't the problem. It's how we use it that is the issue. And when we get an opportunity to to lean into our kids, to put the phones away, to get back and playing. I mean, we played a board game last night for the first time in history in Mm -hmm. our family of five. And like, there was fighting. (laughs) And my husband was like, this is who made up this game of unicorns. Like, I am not, this is a dumb rule. Why would I play this card? And I'm like, this is exactly what needs to happen. Yeah. Because people need to lose your shit in the confines of the family (laughs) system in order to figure out how to deal with futility and disappointment and angst outside. Yeah. We should be worse with our kids. Like I say this all the time. I wrote a best-selling book called Kids These Days. If you watch me with my own personal children, you wouldn't buy the book. (laughs) Because we're best with other people. I wrote that thing when I was emotionally regulated. Yeah. My kids do not, I am not emotionally regulated around my children. <laughs> no, they, we. They, they trigger us. They sure know how to push our buttons. Believe me. Life suckers. <laughs> Your mom, they said, oh my God, I've never felt more incompetent in my life. I can run a multi-million dollar organization and crush it. Uh, yeah. And when I am at home with my three children, one's got, she's 10, and she wants to wear a belly shirt and be on the, the Snapchat. And then the other guy thinks he's going to the NHL. Oh. And I don't know how I'm going to crush his dreams. And then the other one's like, Mom, do you think that it is possible there is life after death? And I was like, what, <laughs> what is even happening this morning? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know any of those things. Oh, my God. This is great. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, my God. So, and it, it's so true. You just bring up so many things for me, like one of the things that you just said, like I could, you know, crush it, a multi-million dollar organization. But with the kids at home, our our minds are, are with them and we can't oftentimes crush it in a multi-million dollar organization, not because we don't have the capability to do it, but because our our loyalty or socialization or whatever it is, is pulling us back to that. We feel like we need to be there to, to develop these crazy humans and try to do what we can to make them happy. <laughs> yeah. So the question is, can you do both? Ab- no, I so- know for sure the answer is no. Absolutely. You can. I don't know. Listen, let's go. Here's the thing. If we put that expectation out into the universe, right? The question is, can you do it to the standards that society expects us to do it? 
Okay. Can you be wearing an apron, baking the cookies, cooking all everything from scratch, frolicking when they come home from school, pick them up, drop them off, be on every committee, step into your office, look good in your fucking Spanx yeah. and run a no meeting. No fucking way. Be home by three. No. Okay. So that's the expectation, right? Is the expectation right. that I can be a good enough parent. That I can show my babies what the CEO looks like, that I can show my babies that I can maintain a relationship, that their dad can take hockey practice and do these things that can I can I listen, you can't tell anybody how to be anti-racist or to chase your goals. You have to you have to show them. Yeah. And if I say, babes, I want you to live your dreams. I want you to be happy. And I'm not. Yeah. That's the biggest mistake we make as parents. Yeah. And Agreed. do I get it right? No, I, I live with the guilt on the road all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm on a book tour. We, we just talked about this. On a feeling scene book tour, I spent 17 days away from those babies. My twins are 10 and our oldest is 13. And I I adore my husband. I, I started on third base. I'm white, straight, and able-bodied. I got yeah. money, right? Yeah. So I always keep that context in, in, in my mind. Yeah. And we've developed this beautiful village around us that allows me to do this. So I better fucking use it. Yeah. Right. If I am going to demonstrate this ability to sort of reconnect a disconnected world, I have to do that with my kids. Does it come without guilt? Oh, my God. Every day. Yeah. And, and people's opinions are rash and big because as we yeah. as if we want to be disruptors, my mom was very and, and one of those two of the most powerful women I've ever met in my life were my grandmothers. Right. Mm. Very traditional. They can make a mean pierogi. All they did was. <laughs> you know, cook clean. That was their deal. My mom too really struggled with, you know, having a, like a little business, you know, just dad bought her a little jewelry store that she could just dabble in. You know what I mean? One of the smartest women in business I've ever met, but never felt the confidence to be able to step in and just take it. And we are in this first generation, I would argue, that is really going to have to be uncomfortable with this new set of operating. And we bring something to the table now, not because I want to just crush the penises of the world, but because what I think I offer to this world is necessary at a leadership table. Developing a company that says, yes, women, we need you because people are dying. Highest rate of suicide in your country and mine is middle-aged men Yeah, because you have to name it to tame it. And if I have the ability to create an organization, lead women in a way, create a legacy around, uh, 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 we need you, not just because it's, you know, it's a feminist time to fucking crush the ideals and misogyny and patriarchy can beat it, but I'm much more interested in what I offer because I think the time is now for women to use their power to create a healthier world for our babies. I totally agree with you. And we have to figure out what that power looks like because our power is a different, you know, flavor of power than what we all were brought up to think of as power. When we think of power, it's like, let's tie our hair back, put on our power suits, generally with pants, don't wear a fucking skirt. And you come in and, you know, you use your, no, 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 no. You know what our power is? Our power is bringing cookies into the fucking boardroom. Mm-hmm. And sitting down and saying, let's go, girls. What are we going to do here today? Yeah. Are the babies okay? Yeah. Right? What's going on with your husband? What's going on with your with your wife? Yeah. Can we talk about this? Because I think if we want this brand to resonate with people, it has to be authentic. Yeah. Right? And how hard is this for all of us to sit here today? Right? Whose kid was puking before you got here this morning? Right? Yeah. Who rolled over and looked at their husband and thought, you know what? This is the fucking worst decision I ever made in my life. I need to go out of this marriage. Right? How do we start to have those conversations? And then it's this beautiful 
talk around boundaries and, you know, courage over comfort, clear mm-hmm. as kind, all of the Brene Brown fucking brilliance that is Shonda Rhimes in, yes. you know, embodiment. You know, every leader that came before me, anybody who, listen, I really admire people right now who only need to go by their first name. That's my goal. Mm-hmm. That people will just say Jody and Jody. Be like, pink. I Oprah, love pink. She's Renee. My Yes. Why do we love pink? Because she's a disruptor. She's, she's a like, fucking watch badass. me take my kids on the road yeah. and be a remarkable human being. Right. So if we love her, then be her. Yeah. Oh, she's uh, she's my inner spirit guide. Me too. Yeah. I saw her in LA at a, uh, I sound very fancy when I say that, from, as a kid, <laughs> but anyway, on a beach in LA. And I was like, I was in love with her. So it was like a com- like a not conference, Jesus, where they bands play all day. Okay. So she was oh, the closing yeah. one. Festival. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Music festival. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like I left there going like I am here. I'm I pink. Am, I'm, I'm, I'm shaving here. all my hair. <laughs> oh my God. How do I get my hair like that? Because I just <laughs> I also gonna need I'm taking up hip hop. Awesome. And yeah, all the things. Yeah. And I got Aaron, my husband needs more tattoos. Obviously. Uh, and you need more tattoos. And so do Me. I. Let's do it. Let's do yes. it. <laughs> Listen, you know, I love that badassery. So, but, and, you know, Pink, as tough as she is, too, she is full of soft emotion. That's like, I think, what I admire about her so much. She's hard and soft. And we all are, right? And yeah. I think the, the more you, the healthier you are, the more able you are to be vulnerable. Yeah. Agreed. The most, listen, the most vulnerable emotion. Wonder this, when you are at your most vulnerable, what are you feeling? What I emotion? Think scared, you right? Fear. Yeah. So oftentimes people say that it's, it's fear, it's anguish, it's, uh, you know, something grief. Uh-uh. The most vulnerable emotion on the planet is joy mm. because Why? you are open to anything. Your defenses are down. You're emotionally regulated because you can't la- you can't belly laugh and be anxious. You can't mm. belly laugh and be on guard. So I often say to women, you know, how do you create a boardroom table where there's fun? Yeah. How do you? When's the last time you danced in your kitchen? When's yeah. the last time you belly laughed with your babies at ten o'clock at night because it was you know all the shits falling apart and you know you had a farting contest? Yeah. What? How do we bring that joy, mm. which is such a different feeling than how teams have been led, how entrepreneurs are sort of, women are expected to show up. Like, let's fucking go. You show me. I'm a hard ass. Nobody messes. So serious. Oh, yeah. The new rules of the world, I will tell you this in my own very, like, I don't know. Jody way. Yeah. Is be kind and don't tolerate bullshit in that order. Mm, Okay. Because we've been raised from a very behavioral perspective, which is you earn my respect. Mm. You show me that you deserve to be here and then I be kind, right? You work out five days and then you get a cheat meal. Fuck off. Eat the cheat meal first and then you have energy. Yeah. <laughs> I I love the idea of yeah. kind. Yes. You've got to lead with kindness. The benefit of the doubt right now is so because the people who need it the most are the hardest to give it to. Yeah. But I also don't think for one second that you deserve to be walked over. So yeah. I'm going to lead with kindness and the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to give you all the grace I can fucking muster on even on my worst day. And then I'm not going to tolerate it. Okay. Yeah. Enough. Then no, no, no. you don't speak to me that way. You can't get these numbers up. I need to see why. What's yeah. the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So be kind and don't tolerate bullshit in that order, I think will serve every female entrepreneur because kindness is actually safe to lead with these days. Let me tell you that again. Leading with kindness is your biggest superpower. If you can sink into emotional language, if you can give people, tell me more, people want to work for you. It's like sunshine. Mm. Yeah. When you allow somebody else to feel seen. So that's the title of the, the latest book, because I think it's the answer to everything. Feeling seen mm. is, is defined. It's very colloquial these days. You know, if you see a meme that people are like, I feel so seen because whatever, yeah. basically what we're talking about is it is this on, it, it often happens without words. It is often a, a deep understanding that somebody gets you. And when you allow somebody else to feel seen, oh my goodness, they're like this, like this, they want to come into you. And the very basics are doing things like giving compliments, genuinely, acknowledging another human being. One of my favorite hockey coaches said this, you should see how fast I can get a kid to skate when I know the name of his dog. Yeah, I read that in the book. I loved that. Isn't that great? Like, that is great. Yeah. You say to your your employees like, "Hey, how did the, how did your kid do this weekend on the soccer field?" Right yeah. now, I know your mom was struggling with that. Is she doing okay? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you came today. Right? Oh my God, I know you love the Rangers. Did you see they won last night? Holy shit, huh? When I know a little bit oh, about those things, yeah. I I, I want to show up. I want my employees. I mean, I talk a lot about burnout in the book. Because I think we spend more waking hours with our colleagues than we do with our people. Yeah. You know, and we need to talk about how we create workplaces that actually fill our souls up, that we come in and we're like, let's go, let's do this (laughs) together. Yeah. Yes. And then to understand if I don't feel as competent when I walk home, when I step in through my door, when I pick the kids up from soccer and somebody's got a belly shirt on and the other one's telling me, I'm like, mom, you're, you know, I hate you. (laughs) How do I feel equally has filled up so that I can step into that and go like, I know, babe, I know your yeah. job's to lose your fucking mind here. And I'm filled up at work because the definition of burnout, here's what I love. Freudenberger came up with this in 1974 and he's a German psychologist. And he said the definition of burnout, he was actually working with a drug addicted population at the time and started to understand the parallels that happen between people who use drugs excessively mm-hmm. and you know, their burnouts is a colloquial term. Yeah to what happens in workplaces. And he said, listen, when the resources outside of work do not exceed what gets sucked from your soul at work, mm-hmm. you burn out. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. If your expenses don't exceed, if your income doesn't exceed your expenses, you, you, your business fails, right? Yeah. If you don't put gas in the car, you're going to stop driving. Same, yeah. same. Okay. Yeah. So if we understand this about being an entrepreneur, what are we doing to continue to fill our souls so that we can continue to, to serve these dreams that we have. Mm. And I love this concept so much because by virtue of the understanding of burnout, it means that at one point there was a flame mm-hmm. because you can't burn out from something that you always fucking hated. Right. Right. And so when I speak to organizations about this concept of burnout, it gives me so much hope mm-hmm. because it tells me at one point you had people who really th- believed in a dream. Right. And, and what you were doing. And how does that apply to women entrepreneurs? I'm, I'm trying to absorb everything that you're saying and, and then apply it in context because women entrepreneurs truly face so many challenges. They all have the flame of desire yeah. and, and especially wanting to do for other people. You know, there's always this like incredible passion behind these businesses that women create. Even if yep. they're tech businesses, they're they're 
to do something to save the world, to save humanity. And and then you know, we don't, we're, we're not able to get the prices that, that we want to charge. We can't get the funding in order to grow our business. It's like wall, 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 wall. And, and then, you know, we don't p- make it past a million dollars. A few do. And it is so incredibly disheartening mm-hmm. overall. What can we do to change that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that there's three things that I think about all the time in this way. When we put our worth in our outcome, we get completely dysregulated. So the definition of emotional regulation is how to stay calm in times of distress. It is one of the greatest things that we will teach our children because none of us are born with this ability, right? We're only born with fight, flight, and freeze. And if we have enough walkers, enough mentors, enough big people in our world to sort of help us stay calm in times of distress, we will do the best we can to any given ability, right? Mm -hmm. At any given time. One of the things that I need to do is a couple of things. I've heard Oprah talk about this so many times is that you have to know where you're going. Yeah. So what is your, what do you want? Do you want, and and is it okay to want to make millions of dollars? Yes. Yes. You can, you do, do, is it okay to want to fly first class for the rest of your life? Fucking right. Hell fucking yes. Okay. So I, I put a high emphasis on that, right? Mm -hmm. I want great things for my children. I want to be able to, to live a life that, you know, we enjoy all of those things. Okay. I also want to make a massive difference in this world. I want to be a New York Times bestseller. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to work at a time where I can take my kids on the road with me. Yeah. I want to be able to have my kids. Uh, we want to take a trip around the, the world, right? Yeah. Just my husband and my babies and I, whether we yeah. do that or not. And I want to show my, my kids what it means to be the CEO of a successful company mm. and how we still have so much joy in this process of sort of building each other up as a family. Mm. And if I'm going to do those things, right? If I'm going to do those things, I am the most important person in that goal. Mm. Because mm. if I'm not okay, those people I love don't stand a chance. Yeah, These people I lead don't stand a chance. Yeah. And it's this selfish switch mm. to not boundering myself. I got to put myself first because I'm the fucking best thing. If I'm emotionally dysregulated, if I'm losing my friggin' mind all the time, if I'm feeling like I'm failing everybody in my planet, there's not a fucking chance that I'll get close to those goals. Mm. So the switch for me is this is the priority. You, your team, then and only then the people you serve mm. in that order. Mm. That's the priority of how we look after things. Okay. And if I were going to just take me, I talk about this in feeling seen, here's the three things I have to do every single day when I'm at my best. Now, some days I just drink wine, but (laughs) on the really good days, I got to reconnect to my people, to my breath and to my why, because you can drink all the kale and do the fucking yoga all day long. If you are disconnected, from your people, you will suffer. If you are disconnected from your body and your mind, you will suffer. Mm. If you are disconnected with really why, what the bigger picture is, you will suffer. Okay. So the behavioral changes that you'll make every day to sort of be your best self is fine. Those are always good, right? Moving your body, drinking your water, all those things, basic, basic. But number one, I want you to be very clear on who your people are, who is the village, because you will not always stay calm. You will lose your mind. You will get emotionally dysregulated when you don't get the price, when, you know, the deal falls through. Yeah. When somebody says, oh, you know, nice ass. And you're like, listen. I, I would say thank you. 
I know. I'm glad you noticed 47 so minutes there, but would you like to squeeze? Anyways, don't do that. Well, you can do it. So, but the first thing for me is, you know, who are your people? And they're a small group. Okay. You, I don't care about your friends. You can have as many or as little as you want. But when you get into this world of business, one of the things that somebody told me one time is, and it, I, I thought I was going to be the exception to the rule, but I'm not. You will be surprised at how many friends you lose. Yeah. When you decide to make a priority to sort of push the boundaries of traditional functioning, to be a disruptor, a lot of people will not be in that place to be able to come alongside you. Yeah. Like, even if you build the biggest dream. I mean, I, I feel like the only job that I get to do on this platform is to go around this world and tell people that they are amazing and that we mm. need them now more than ever and that people are dying because of it. And all we need is you. Mm. I, I cannot imagine who doesn't want to come along to this. Road. And I'm fucking hilarious. Like who doesn't want to be a part yeah. of it? I cannot tell you how hard it is, how many breakups I've had to do with the people I love. And I thought I was going to grow old with. Yeah. Right. Oh. And I think what you need to consider is who are the four or five that are relentlessly your biggest fans? Mm. And I have five. And my husband comes on and off the list sometimes, depending on what I'm talking <laughs> about. But one of them is no longer even on this planet. My best friend, Rhea, we met in the first year of college. And how I define, you know, who my people are is they, they have to make me belly laugh. Yeah. You know, my I'm, bill- I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. They, if a bra or makeup is required, it's not your people. <laughs> if, if you, you know, if, if you just know that no matter what, they will, they will be your biggest fan, but they will also keep you humble. Yeah. That, that's how you get on my list. Okay. Or, you know, the list. And so Rhea and I met in college and I've never laughed so hard with anybody in my life. And mm-hmm. she's ridiculous. And we, you know, I gave, we gave the toast of to the bride at each other's weddings and we rocked each other's babies to sleep. And I gave the eulogy uh, at her funeral uh, almost four years ago. And she lost her battle to cancer um, at 44 years old. And she left two babies behind, Nevi and Lukey. And they, you know, they were four and seven. And I remember thinking, you know, she left at a time when, you know, kids these days was out in the world. This thing was just going. She sat in tiny little halls where I would be speaking for free. And she would be there, you know, with her chemo bag, just like sitting there. And she would always tell me like, that was fucking bad. Or, you know, (laughs) I love this about you. And so when I knew she was going to leave, I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this without her? Mm -hmm. And then during the pandemic, I I came across this quote by Mitch Album in Tuesdays with Maury. He wrote Tuesdays with Maury. And he said, death ends a life, not a relationship. Yeah. And if they die your best friend, they will always be your best friend. And so I got to tell you, I talk to her now more than I did when she was here. And there are times when I step into, you know, a phenomenal podcast or a room full of, you know, 10 people or 10,000 people. I say to her, Ria, give me the words. What do I want? I'm here today and I need you to come on stage with me tonight. And she never lets me down. And it's like, who are those people? You know, my brother will un equivocally tell me when I fucking suck. And <laughs> when I get a nod from him, when he says, I'm proud of you. Oh my, that's it. That's everything. Done. <laughs> that's done. It. You're done. <laughs> and it's like, it's interesting, you know, because I think that it's like, you, they don't have to be wildly crazy because, it, you know, the more successful you become, I find it's very difficult to decide who's there because they actually really know you to the core mm-hmm. or who is there because they just, they're, they're super fans. They, they love to see what you produce and, and what you've accomplished. And I think that it's really being clear on, you know, who gets it, mm. the, the ugly days, what it means to sort of leave your kids for 17 days and do two red eyes in a row and all of the things that that sometimes have to happen to, to make 
this happen? Yeah. And so who are those people who can say, holy fuck, are you really okay, Jode? Yeah. Right? Are you really okay? And I, and I love those questions. And so it's your people. And then the second thing is your breath. And so if I can't self-regulate, if I really need to depend on everybody else all the time, I'm going to be fucked because most of the time it's me doing this one thing. Drop your shoulders. Yeah. We'll do this with me right now. Drop your shoulders. Take a deep breath. Relax your jaw. Drop your tongue from the roof of your mouth. It's the most primitive response to emotional dysregulation. We do this. Mm. So drop that. Drop your shoulders. Wiggle your toes. Smile. And let your gut out. <laughs> as women we don't do that we always like suck in and we're like no we're totally relaxed but that is the <laughs> body and we rarely spend time here yeah we have access to the best parts of ourselves when we are there yeah, you don't yeah. need any more training you don't need any more nothing yeah. you know how to serve this world well when you are in this state yeah and our only job is you see we wake up in the morning already in a comparison. So many of us scroll before we even put our feet on the floor. And we're already like, oh, fuck, I need to be drinking more collagen. Or like, <laughs> oh my God, these guys got, and we roll over, we're like, Jason, we need family <laughs> pictures. Everybody else has family pictures. Yeah. You know, and people are like, oh my, you know. So before you even start your day, you're very much in this place. And so it's like, how do we just practice? And so I put it on my phone. I put a little note on my computer, drop your shoulders. Yeah, And as much as you can drop your cortisol in the run of a day, you have more to give to your people at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So, so just kind of tying that back to how can we as women entrepreneurs sort of get past some of these obstacles that we're facing? Are, are you sort of saying, well, it comes from that place of emotional regulation first and foremost? because we're, we're sort of so out of whack. And then if we are truly the ones to, you know, make the changes in the world that we all know that the world needs, how, how can we do that? That's a big responsibility. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's, I mean, I think if we think about it in that big, overwhelming way, it debilitates us. Yeah. And I think my only job every single day is to do the next best right kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have yeah. control over because yeah. I don't know if something's going to happen to my babies. I don't know if something's going to happen to my husband. We get taken out at the knees all the time, yeah. right? With a diagnosis or, you know, an illness or a something, right? So best laid plans, right? Yeah. You need an end goal. But I often say this, my therapist and I had a conversation about this and I, it always sticks in my head. I know where I want to be. So that's very clear. But mm-hmm. this is what the middle looks like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and that's <laughs> me. Yeah. Because there's going to be twists and turns and opportunities and then things we wish we would have done and didn't do and all the things, right? And I think it's like, how can we stay as regulated as we possibly can? Mm. Trust our intuition. Mm. Not what do you think about something, but how does it feel? Yeah. In the collaborations that you are presented with, in the opportunities that are afforded to you, even though it looks really shiny and they have, you know, 500,000 followers, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Just because, you know, you can get this you know, influx of, you know, somebody is going to support your business for 30 grand. Do you, do you want to align with them? Yeah. Oh my God. Really feel it. Right. And I think that we are so good at our intuition. We all know exactly, you know, you said on the back of feeling seen, there's this quote about like, how do we get back to the best parts of ourselves? It it is so much in this context of emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. And when you lose it, who's going to help walk you home? 
Mm. And are we doing the best we can internally to get our bodies back to that place again and again? And it's not an end game, which is why, you know, reconnection is even more important to me than connection. Mm-hmm. Because connection is the easy part. You can wave at your neighbor or buy coffee for somebody down the road or do what, you know, give a compliment, but reconnecting to your people, mm-hmm. reconnecting to that body, even when you, you know, you, you haven't moved it in three months and you drank wine 60,000 bottles a night. Yeah. It's okay, right? Like it's reconnection. Can we get back to that? Because none of us ever arrive. Mm. You don't ever get to this place of like, okay, I'm, I'm happy. Right. I am. I'm so perfect in my marriage. I am the best mom. No, fuck. Nope. Nobody no. arrives. No. The constant goal of reconnection. Yeah. The practice. It's it's yoga. It's the practice, right? It's yeah. showing up, showing up for yourself. It, one of the things that I love whenever I go to yoga is, you know, they say like the fact that you're just here and that you're showing up like and they always say it doesn't matter if you spend the whole <laughs> practice in child's pose. I've never seen anybody do that. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You're here. And uh, I love that so much. You sh- you're too. showing up for yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. So this conversation has taken, it's been sweeping and fun and amazing. And I seriously cannot wait to meet you in New York. And why don't you talk a little bit about that, about your book tour and then how people can get in contact with you and where they can see you and all that good stuff. Oh my gosh. Okay. So first of all, if you're in New York, I don't know when this is going to air, but when you, if you're in New York, we do a, a quaint little book tour stop in Manhattan on March 14th and Tuesday downtown. And uh, I'm so excited about that. We've traveled all of our other dates were in Canada and we just do one stop in the U.S. And, you know, on our social media platforms, I love to be able to make mental health and understanding of mental health, women in leadership so much more accessible. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm starting a podcast. I don't even know how the fuck to do a podcast, but we're going to start right. that in the fall because I want to make this really accessible, right? This conversation. And so I do workshops and social media and we now have three books and it's just like, you can find us every, I would love for your people to be in our community because I think we share so many of the same hopes and dreams for, for women and for our daughters and for our sons. Yeah. And um, I'm just, I'm excited. I mean, there, there's already talk about the next book and, I just, I feel so strongly many days, most days, that we're just getting started. Oh, gosh. That is so inspiring. I appreciate you and your energy. This this was so much fun for me. I, you know, I always have fun on the podcast, but this is one of the top episodes where I actually did belly laugh several times because (laughs) I think, I think you hit a nerve with me and on a couple of, of uh, things that you mentioned. And that was just great. So I appreciate that so, so much. Dr. Jody, thank you for being on Sugar Coated and everybody go follow her. There's going to be all different links in the show notes, all of that good stuff. And thank you so very much. And I'll see you soon. Can't wait. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.